everybody, this is Sean. This is Matt. And this is another edition of Warrior Talk. We're so glad to have you guys with us again. Uh, we are recording on a beautiful Monday, Labor Day. Hope you guys are having a great holiday and a great weekend. How was your weekend, Sean? It was pretty good. I uh, got a chance to sit on the sidelines, watch some soccer on Saturday. Had a great time at the football game on Friday night. And then last night uh, was involved in two different fantasy football drafts. Doesn't get any better than that. I, I think it started off well, though, on Friday night for yep. both of us. We both made it out to the football game. Same here. Saturday, kind of relaxing. Went up to Noblesville, hung out with some friends. Cool. What'd you do? Really, literally just hung out, watched college football all day, so it doesn't get any better than that. Nope. Uh, yesterday, uh, we had my family's fantasy football draft, which is always interesting. Right. And then, you know, it's just been a relaxing weekend. So. Very cool. Very cool. Well, we are going to jump right into the week of Danville Sports. Uh, just straight up apology. We did not do a great job of getting different scores for some of the different teams. Uh, holiday weekend, Matt and I are kind of lazy on that. So apologies to anybody listening, hoping to hear um, maybe their favorite team scores. We just didn't do a great job of that. But we will jump straight in with boys soccer on Tuesday. We had a tough loss against Tri-West for the varsity team and the JV team. Uh, and then Saturday, Varsity had a bounce-back win against Indianapolis Northwest 2-1. to one. Uh, Pretty exciting game. Logan Clark getting a goal, and then Gavin Quant uh, finishing up with the second goal, uh, taking a penalty kick. And then the boys' JV uh, lost as well on that day. Uh, volleyball, you know, they're still rolling along, stayed perfect on the season. Tuesday, they won in three sets at Cascade. And then on Thursday, they went straight sets as well against Beach Grove and I was also at the Beach Grove uh, match on Thursday the JV won in three sets uh, I believe no yes they won in, sorry two sets because they're best of three and the freshman won in three sets uh, dropping one but coming out with the victory so okay. that, that was nice to see very cool girls soccer uh, lost on Monday night to Brownsburg but then had a strong bounce back to the end of their week. Thursday had a 3-2 win against South Montgomery. Was at that game. Uh, I believe Southmont got up a goal quick. And um, Danville was able to fight back. And it looked like uh, it was just a great game. Kind of back and forth for the girls team. And then on Saturday uh, pulled out a very strong victory. 1-0 against Mooresville. And then on the tennis side... Unfortunately, did not get a. I think they they dropped their match on Monday against South Montgomery. But I actually went to the the first ever tennis match I've gone to okay. when I was in high school, what have you. So that was a new experience for me. But I was able to catch their North Montgomery um, match. Unfortunately, they they dropped that one as well. But being my first, Northmont was pretty good. Yeah. I was actually I was pretty impressed. But. Uh, I plan on trying to make it out to one or two more before the season is done. Uh, then cross country had a, a good week. On Tuesday, they had their county uh, meets uh, over at Avon, I believe. As a team, it was actually at Tri West. It was at Tri West. Okay. Yeah, yeah we pulled I didn't... in. We pulled in for a game and saw there was a cross country <laughs> boys varsity JV soccer middle school. It was a pretty busy night over at Tri West. Good deal. So. Uh, the county meet went well. The team itself got third with Sam Comer finishing second overall and Jackson Swisher finishing third. 
Very cool. And then uh, wrapping up our highlights on Danville Sports Friday night. Huge football game. Uh, Danville was victorious, 37 to six over over uh, number six ranked Lebanon. Uh, it was an amazing game. Uh, all the build up to the game was kind of like this should be an offensive, you know, back and forth, right. high scoring. Uh, both teams playing well. You know, Lebanon just coming off the Zinesville victory, which right. is a big win for that program. Right. But Danville dominated from the word go. It yeah, was, it was – so we had a great interview with Casey Woods. If you've not had a chance to listen to that, you should check that interview out. It's on our Twitter page. It's on our Facebook page. And we got a great talk with him on record and off record just talking about – what he was expecting with this game. And I'll be honest with you, Matt, um, watching that very first drive, uh, I feel like the game could have gone either way. Very first play, uh, Lebanon, uh, I want to say play action fake, and they, they tossed it to their receiver, and he dropped it. And had he catched the ball, he had a step. Uh, I think it could have very well been a touchdown. Right. And uh, I think that, that that had the potential, and we don't know, um, but it had the potential uh, of maybe changing the game dynamics a little bit. Um, but what happened on that first drive is uh, Danville's defense, uh, I think, were quickly awakened by that play, and they got their act together, and there ended up being a pick six, touchdown. All of a sudden, man, everything is different. The momentum shifted. The stands were alive. I mean, everything was electric. Oh, absolutely. And it was the defense, again, helping their offense out. They got two early turnovers, you know, to go up 13-0 early. You know, Lebanon came back. You know, they they put a drive together and were able to punch it in and, you know, get it back to 13-6. But, you know, that, that didn't rattle Danville at all. They, they just kept on chugging, man. They kept on chugging. I mean, the offense, it, it's going to be so hard to stop. You're going to have to have a total, right. complete defense in order to stop Danville's offense. And, uh, you know, it, again, just a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, so when when this team, Danville, had 423 total yards of offense, um, I mean, that, that just kind of highlights – the type of night that they had. Alex Skinner uh, had 147 yards rushing. Toby Highland had 224 yards passing. Uh, I know when you finally got over the stands after you were trying to get some good <laughs> signups for your golf outing for the basketball team, uh, I mean, we just really enjoyed watching Alec Burton uh, yep. really just get some total control over the Lebanon defense. Yeah, it, it, it was nice. Uh, Danville's offense put some wrinkles in this week. You could tell down at the goal line they were using uh, Alec in more like a wildcat uh, right. formation and, you know, just getting different looks. And I think it caught Lebanon off guard a little bit. You know, I, I, I want to highlight the offensive line yep. uh, because they've gone three games and haven't allowed a sack, you know, and – the rushing game, 146 yards, like you pointed out, that doesn't happen without a good, good offensive line. Uh, it's just, it, it's it's awesome. And, and Toby Highland, the quarterback, helps him out too. He's very mobile. If something does happen to break down, he can make things happen. And the receivers are too good. If Toby's 
you right. know, just kind of running back and forth back there. You're not going to cover these receivers for that long. Right. So, right. like Stevens I said. Stevens is unbelievable. Zach Lucan had a great game, one one yard shy from 100 yards receiving. Uh, Burton, you know, just steady. Just a monster. Yes. Just a monster. And I'll tell you what, uh, Zach Lucan, it seems like once a game he makes an unbelievable catch. Like going over someone or hanging right. on to it with one hand or right. – he he just makes really tough catches, right? And I don't think we can leave out Mark Broderick as well. He's the fourth receiver for Danville, and he gets a lot, a lot from the other three. And right. He takes advantage of. It. He's got great hands. He's a great athlete. He plays both ways. Plays defense and offense. So that core of receivers you got four receivers out there that are going to catch just at about everything. And Toby has been on point. All three weeks. Right. I mean, another thing that when you watch a football game that the stat sheet will never tell you is the blockers. I mean, you have an offensive line, and you just talked about them. But even even the other receivers that are not in the play uh, with the ball in their hands are so active and pushing back the Lebanon players and creating the space that the other receivers need or the running backs need to be able to push the ball forward. So, I mean, really a great team uh, outing. You talked about the Danville defense. Just looking at the stats right here, uh, Lebanon's running back, uh, who we we believe would have had a, a stellar game, came out with 20 yards rushing. Yes, and then that, w- that was. It was the talk with Casey uh this guy's been having college looks very talented quick but Daniel's defense was all over the place I mean they they had multiple guys on him at all times it wasn't for the most part one single guy bringing him down uh the secondary looked good for the most part you know they Stevens had two interceptions obviously the pick six like we highlighted earlier right he had one later in the game I mean, it. That's the it, other thing that's crazy about high school football is the uh, the guys that play on both sides of the ball. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I I'm not mistaken. I think we have at least three, maybe more. I could be off on that. I know Alec Burton plays both ways. Mark Broderick plays both ways. Ben Stevens plays both both ways. And that's a testament to all three of those guys to be right. able to to handle the offensive playbook and the defensive schemes and be able to play at a high level. What's what's exciting going forward, um, I believe the saying is the cat is out of the bag. I mean, like, I don't know how people can continue to overlook Danville. And, and they won't. And I think, I don't think they necessarily have this year with the success they had last year. They won the sectional championship. It, it kind of, they came on strong last season. Right. They were coming to this season not, not, you know, losing a whole lot right you know they they returned a lot of good players i think everybody knew that and and what casey talked about in her interview is you know how how was danville going to respond to that target right on their back and you know you got to keep on you know as coach pagano says gotta keep chopping you right. gotta keep chopping the wood you know what i mean how are you gonna perform once you're at the top it's right a, it's very easy to coast and he's got these guys just you know, running people over right now. Well, their motto, I think, going into the season and all season long is earn, not given. Yes. And um, they're, they're, they're living it out. There's nothing that was given to them on Friday night. They went out there and they put on a show, and I believe that they will continue to do so. 
So that wrapped up the week of Danville sports. We'll kind of go over the schedule now for the following. Obviously, today being Labor Day, nothing going on. But tomorrow, girls golf is home against Tri-West and University. That will start at 4.45. At 5 o'clock, the boys' tennis team is traveling to Western Boone. The boys' soccer team uh, gets everything kicked off at, or sorry, home against Plainfield uh, with the varsity to follow. The girls' soccer team is actually traveling to Crawfordsville. That will start at 5.30. Then the volleyball team is traveling to Western Boone as well. The freshman team will start at 5.30 along with the JV and then the varsity to follow. Then Wednesday, uh, we have a tennis match, boys tennis match against Covenant Christian. That's at home at 5 o'clock. We would definitely encourage anybody that is listening to come and hang out and support our boys tennis team. And then on Thursday, the girls' golf team is traveling to North Montgomery in a three-way match with Western Boone as well. That will start at 4.30. Uh, At 5.30, the boys' soccer team is back in action at home against McCutcheon. JV will start at 5.30 with the varsity to follow. Just just JV. Just Just JV. JV. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So just the JV on Thursday night. Uh, The girls' soccer team is traveling to Western Boone. Uh, the varsity will start at 5.30 with the uh, yes, JV to follow, come. just playing a half there. And then the volleyball team is home against McCutcheon with the JV starting at 5.30 along with the freshman and then the auxiliary gym with the varsity to follow. Pretty excited about that night. Um, I have yet to have a chance to go watch the girls' volleyball play. And knowing that there's just one soccer game for us on Thursday night, I think I might scooch over and watch... Watch all the action. Oh, it, it, Jess and I have been to a couple games now, and they're absolutely fun to watch. And I, you and I kind of discussed it, and I've to, told some other people, there's two things I've learned about high school volleyball. Yeah. I honestly think it is the most energetic sport on a just nightly basis. Uh-huh. Like, every time a point is scored, these girls are jacked. Yeah. They are so pumped for what just happened. And then the fact that they can just stay locked in. They're, so, they're excited about the point they just scored, but then they get right back to it. They're so locked in. And if you had the crowd energy that could match the on-court energy, right. it'd be unbelievable. So I, I love going to volleyball yeah, so, matches now. So I actually went to a uh, middle school volleyball game earlier this week, and it, it, it had the same feel. I think, I think it was even more energetic than what you said because these girls in middle school are chanting they have they have high fives and dances i mean like you're right it it it, it caught me off guard i thought that volleyball was a very quiet hush hush kind of game that you just play uh so i'm excited i'm excited thursday night to get to check out uh, the volleyball team then hey on friday night the boys uh football team is traveling to Crawfordsville at 7 p.m. Uh, it's a great kickoff time for anybody that works to be able to jump on 74, head on up, support our boys uh, in this critical conference match. Then on Saturday, we have another loaded schedule. Girls Golf has a Sagamore Conference invitation at 1 p.m. The girls' soccer team is hosting Indianapolis Northwest starting at 1 p.m. The boys' varsity team is traveling to North Montgomery at 10 a.m. for a conference match. 
Uh, also, the uh, boys' JV football team will be at home at 10 o'clock in the morning. Please come on out and support them with that. Girls' soccer, JV has a Lebanon Invitational. And then uh, the girls' volleyball team has a Brebuff. Did I say that right? It is Brebuff. All right. Uh, invitation on uh, for the freshmen. And then Southmont Invitation for the volleyball JV. And then Varsity is at Harrison West Lafayette Invitational. With the cross-country team uh, going to Ben Davis uh, at 9.30 for an Invitational there as, as well. So lots, lots going on, Warriors, for this next week. Please, please, please support any support any sport that you can, uh, and do yourself a favor and check something out that you normally might not visit. Uh, I think you might be surprised at just how awesome all of our Warriors teams are. So with that in mind, we'll kind of you know move along to. Uh, college football it kicked off this past weekend on Saturday. Actually, there was a game on Thursday. Did you watch that? No. Uh, I watched a half of it. Which probably which was, was the, the better, better half. half. It was a better half on my end. I was hoping we could skip it, but we're not going to. Yeah, yes. we can't skip it. No, uh, yeah. <laughs> we can't. Now, I, I will be honest, and I am a, I'm a fan that panics very quickly, and I was sweating... I was rubbing my hair. I just I, I get these little ticks, and I was nervous. I was nervous because it looked like Indiana's offense. Their quarterback looked, Lego looked pretty amazing. Uh, who? What's the name of their receiver? Simi Cobbs. He looked unstoppable, and Ohio State's defensive backs looked uh, like they were still in middle school. The way that they were covering. Yeah. I, I get that from the Ohio State point of view, but right. as an Indiana fan, I kind of knew what was going to happen. I knew Urban Meyer was going to make adjustments. He's, you know, top two, three coach in the, in the country. Right. I knew what was going to happen. Now, hey, I took a, I took the spread. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, like, I, I, I had full confidence when I was making... Uh, that friendly wager with the friends. So I mean, I figured that Ohio State would be able to cover the twenty points, but I mean, it just it just seemed. I and this that, that this is IU's mo, especially with better teams. You know, they'll get up, they'll play well for a half, maybe two and a half, three quarters, and it's just it, the wheels fall off. Right. They they come back down to earth. Right. I think depth. You know. Yeah, hurts I think them. that's a big thing. So, and the lack of a running game. IU has been known for a running game for the last two or three years. I mean, they've produced two two NFL running backs. Right. So, it the lack of the running game, I think, finally caught up to them. Yeah. And you knew adjustments were going to be. Well, Lego can't throw the ball sixty plus times a game against Ohio State. And they expect for for them to come out with a win. So you're right. I was not going to let you off the hook. So we 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 did we did the business we needed to do. Let's look at the other uh, just kind of major things that went on this past weekend with college football. The game of the week that we were super excited about was Alabama Florida State. I feel like kind of a letdown. A little bit. I mean, you just kind I, of expect Alabama's. It's Alabama. Defense. It's yeah. just it, that's it, that's what they do. Like that, that's Alabama in a nutshell. They they may not come out very fast, but they 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 just grind you. Yeah, just grind you. So I I don't think there was any surprise there. I think some people thought it was going to be a little bit better of a game, 
But and then the insult to injury, Florida State's quarterback going down for yeah. the year. Yeah. That it, it's it, it could be could be a rough year for Florida State. Yeah, I agree. Um, what other what other things in college football? Uh, the other big game f- for me was Michigan and Florida. Uh-huh. Uh, that that was a that was a really good game. Uh, I was watching it at a buddy's house who's a huge Gator fan, so. He wasn't too thrilled, but he understood Florida had quite a few guys suspended, so that they weren't necessarily at full strength. But I thought Michigan looked looked good. Now they were, you know, in and out with two different quarterbacks. Right. You know, Jim Harbaugh being a quarterback himself, he's not gonna yeah, he's not can't. gonna mess around with guys. He's like, if you don't get it done, you're not gonna be out there. So right. Yeah, I, I really have no comments on either of those teams. I could care less <laughs> about them. Uh you know, one of the things that that happens when you watch sports is you you get these stories. I think that inspire you, um, that make yes. you believe that there there's more to it than just a game going on. And we saw that with the USC game against Western Michigan. If you have no idea what we are talking about, we would highly encourage you to go over to Google and search Jake Olson USC. Uh, Matt, you want to tell us about that? So Jake has he's been blind since the age of twelve, and he's a long snapper. You know, I, yep. it's it's a very stressful position. Trust me, I've done it. Right, like, I got that. I, I've done that for a year, and he he did it in high school, and he went to USC. He's a long snapper for them. He did it in like spring games and stuff like that, but. This past Saturday, he got his first opportunity to do a live snap in a game in his career, and it, it's kind of surreal. Yeah, like because you see, he had to he had to hold on to his kicker's uh, shoulder pad to get led out to the field. Right. He had the official basically ride over him, tell him exactly you know the timing of what needs to happen right and then the whistle blows and he grabs that thing and it's a perfect snap yeah i mean it is a perfect perfect snap and then the team surrounds him uh kind of just this victory of an extra point which you know an extra point it should be anything i mean it should be just the most normal thing that happens uh in a in a, in a football game but for for that moment it was it was by far the most unnormal thing oh ever yeah absolutely on. Uh, all right, just kind of looking at a couple other things, man. There are some big losers in college football this week. Baylor, uh, kind of trying to get out of the shadow of just a horrible few years with just stupidity and, yep. uh, I mean, just self-imposed idiocy. Uh, but they lost to an FCS school, Liberty. They lost forty-eight to forty-five. I mean, yeah. so their defense is atrocious. It's going to be a long year uh, for USC. And then UNLV uh, lost. Yep, to uh, Howard. Howard. Yes, Howard. And you're thinking, I, I won't call it necessarily, a, a, we'll, we'll look at it from the positive st- uh, point of view, from okay. Howard's point of view, and say, this is awesome. You know, and you, you may recognize their quarterback, well, not necessarily recognize, but right. the name. It's Cam Newton's little brother. Uh, he's the quarterback for Howard, uh, and they. I think what I, I saw it on ESPN it is the largest differential in point spread in the history since they've been doing point spreads. Pretty crazy. So if you would have placed a hundred dollar wager on that game and picked Howard outright, 
you would have won $55,000. Not that we necessarily recommend gambling, but if you had done that, that is exactly... That, that, it it just illustrates the, the kind of magnitude of that upset. So uh, that's college football from week number one, moving ahead to week number two. We've got some big games, I think, still on the docket. I'm looking at Georgia at Notre Dame. Yeah, I mean, you don't... At Notre Dame... You got an SEC team coming in. I, I think this could be a really fun matchup. Yeah, I agree. We also have Stanford at USC, and then probably the highlight for my week, I would assume for most of college football, is uh, Oklahoma heading into Columbus to take on the Buckeyes. Hopefully, uh, we will not see Ohio State start that game off slow as they did against Indiana. They worked out hopefully all the kinks, and we'll just do what I think that they should do against Oklahoma. That kind of wraps up college football for us, but for me, more exciting. I'm more of an NFL guy. It's starting this Thursday, so if you haven't had your fantasy draft, you better you better hustle up. Yeah, you really are winding down. Now, this is the best time to do your fantasy draft, so yes, if you've absolutely. not had a fantasy draft, now is the time to do it. If you are in a league where your commissioner recommends that you draft before the fourth week of the preseason, you need to tell your commissioner that he is straight up a fool, she is straight up a fool, and you need to wait until this Labor Day weekend to do your draft. Case in point, I had one two weeks ago, and we were drafting during the the third preseason game, so this is where most of the starters are getting the most playing time. Right. And we're drafting, we're drafting, we're drafting. Later on that night... Or not? It was during the draft. Julian Edelman goes down. Already right. been drafted. Right. Spencer Ware goes down. Already been drafted. Yeah. So it's like it. Do yourself a favor. Wait for all of the injuries because you back. know there's always going to be an injury in the preseason. Wait for those to happen, and then do your draft. So, uh, all right. Let's look at the NFL. Starting on Thursday night, we have the Chiefs facing the Patriots. Oh, yeah. This should be a really good game to kick off the season. I mean, it's at New England, so you're, it feels like you're already 10 points down if you're the Chiefs. Chiefs, You should actually go in with that kind of mindset. True. That you're already 10 points down. Uh, the New England offense is going to be on point. It doesn't matter who, who he has. Tom Brady is going to dissect you. From the word go, he's got Gronk. He's got Dwayne Allen now as a second tight end. He does love his tight ends, depending right. on the matchup. He's got a, a, a stable of running backs he can go to. He can go to Deion Lewis, James White, and now Mike Gillisley coming over from Buffalo. He's got Brandon Cooks now right? You know, coming over from New Orleans. That's dangerous. Edelman's down, but I don't think that's going to be as right with Cooks coming in. But he's still got Amandola. He's got Chris Hogan. He's got... He's got now Philip Dorsett. Philip, Philip Dorsett from, from the, the Indianapolis Colts. Colts. I mean, this was we'll a guy about that the Colts. Here a little bit. Yeah, all right. I'll, I'll hold off on it. Yeah, I'll so, I mean, this is going to be a great game. Andy Reid, he's still my guy, even though he's not with the Eagles anymore. He's still a good coach. <laughs> I don't care what anybody says. He's still a good coach. You ever, uh, <laughs> you ever listen to Levitard? I do, from time to time. So one of my favorite uh, spoofs on Levitard is when they, they take a picture of a guy and say he looks like... Oh, yes. My favorite hilarious. of all time is Andy Reid. And they, they have a picture of Andy Reid, and, and it says that Andy Reid looks like the guy 
that walks up to a box of donuts, wags his index finger, and says, don't mind if I do. Yes, and you know what? It's perfectly <laughs> applicable to Andy Reid. But the Chiefs will go in. You know, Alex Smith, as much as he gets maligned as a game manager, yeah. he's, he's still a quarterback for wh- what they need. Now, with Spencer Ware going down, that that's going to hurt. But the defense is still still good. Tyreek Hill is a very good offensive weapon. Travis Kelsey. Right. Uh, I, I think it's going to be a good game. I hope it's a good game. Right. But I still like the Patriots. All right, so you're going to pick the Patriots. Yeah, I'm going to pick the Patriots. Not that we're going to go pick every single game, but I'm going to definitely go with the Patriots as well. Uh, starting in Foxborough, first week of the season. Just kind of running. you got to do it. Yeah, you have to. But just kind of running through the schedule – uh, you got the Jets at the Bills. You have the Falcons at the Bears. You got the Ravens at the Bengals. I know you'll be watching that one. Yep. You got the Steelers at the Browns, the Cardinals at the Lions, the Jaguars at the Texans. Uh, you have the Buccaneers at the Dolphins, the Raiders at the Titans, the Eagles, my guys, at the Redskins. The Colts, for everybody, you are in Los Angeles to play the Rams. Seattle is at Green Bay, which we'll kind of hit here in a minute. And then you got the Panthers at San Francisco. Wrapping up the Sunday night game will be the Giants at the Cowboys. And then on Monday nights, it's a Monday night doubleheader. They've been doing this the last, man, I can't even tell you. Four or five years I, sure. I feel like it's been longer than that even. But doubleheader Monday night, you have the Saints at the Vikings and then the Chargers at the Broncos. So real quick, and I've not even thought about this, but what a great first Monday night game. Saints at the Vikings. Adrian Peterson, now with the Saints, coming back to Minnesota. Very first game of the new season as a uh, New Orleans Saints, so that that could be interesting. Yeah, it's a good slate of games, and you and I kind of talked about before we went on air here. What's the game that stood out to you? Uh, well, you and I are big, big time Homer fans, so obviously I'm going to look at the Ravens, Bengals. Just I want to see what my team's going to do. You want to see what your team's going to do. Are we going to start off in, in a divisional game? Yes. Are we going to start off on top, or are we going to have to crawl, crawl, crawl our way out? Um, so I mean, I think we're both excited about that. But highlight, if we're trying to pick the best game of the week for you to watch, is the Seahawks. At the Packers, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, every year you got to believe that the Packers have a chance to go to the Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers. He's got tons of people always around him. Jordy Nelson, you got Randall Cobb, Devontae Adams. Um, I think Ty Montgomery is a running back this year. Could be that that missing link that they've always seemed to be missing. They don't have a running back, yep. and they've just never had that consistent running back uh, for as long as I can remember. And now they brought a tight end in Martellus Bennett yep. this year. I think that will complement the receivers. I think Aaron Rodgers has been missing that the last couple years as yep. well as a, is a dependable tight end. It, but the, for the Packers, it's it's the defense. Right. For the last few years, it's always been, is the defense going to be dependable enough to win you games? They don't have to be great. They just got to be good enough to get a couple right. you know, crucial stops. Right. So. And the Seahawks, I mean, I think, I think last year they were still – Hungover from that Super Bowl. Oh, brilliant. And it, it just did not wear off. Locker room issues, uh, just constant bickering. <clears throat> so it'll be interesting to see what the Seahawks are able to do. Russell Wilson, Doug Baldwin, uh, those guys. Yeah, and it, just for you Colts fans, we'll just kind of touch on this real quick. We had a trade 
that happened with the Colts and the Patriots of all teams uh, earlier last week. And it was, you know, Philip Dorsett going to the Patriots for Jacoby Prissett, who at the time is the Patriots' third-string quarterback. If I'm a Colts fan, fan, I'm a little worried because you've gone four preseason games, you've worked out Tolzien and Morris, you know, and, and now the preseason's over, okay? Tolzien's going to start week one. You just took Andrew Luck off the pup list, all right? And now you've brought in a fourth quarterback. So are you cutting Morris? Right. Uh, are you putting him on the practice squad? Why is Percet coming in? And why are you giving up your first-round pick from last year, right? Or was it two years ago? Well, I, I don't necessarily – I don't think I'm upset with that as much because that was that's a Grigson pick, you yeah. know, new general manager. Yeah. Maybe he just wasn't fitting what, what, what they wanted to do. Yeah, that's fair. But the I would question bringing in another quarterback, and I would be really concerned about Andrew Luck's availability going forward. Well, that's week number one in the NFL. We figure we should also just take a stab, really, at who we think are playoff teams. It's unfair if we go through week number one yeah. and then kind of put out what we believe. So uh, just real quick, Matt, looking at the AFC, which six teams do you believe are coming out uh, into the playoffs? Uh, it's It starts and ends with the Patriots. Uh, they... They're gonna just run, run through that division, uh, no question there. The, the AFC North is probably the hardest one to pick for me. Yeah. Uh, you you just don't, never know. I think the Ravens may take a step back this year. Um, I just I don't, I don't trust their offense this year. Yeah. So I, I'm actually gonna go with the Steelers just because of the the high powered offense, and I think their defense is gonna be good enough. Uh, in the AFC South. Man, dumpster fire. A little bit, but I'm gonna go with the Titans. I think that's the kind of the sexy pick right now. Right. Uh, I like the Titans and what they're doing. I think Marcus Mariota takes another step. And the AFC West. It, I mean, I could make a case for just about any of those teams, but I'm gonna stick with the Raiders. I okay. think the Raiders win the division. So there's my four division winners. And then as far as wild card, I'm gonna go. Uh, two more teams out of the AFC West, and I think I'm going to go with the Broncos and the Chiefs. All right, so I feel like you and I are pretty much on the same page. AFC East, the Patriots, the, N or the AFC North. I hate saying it, but I feel like the Steelers are definitely going to win uh, that, that, that conference, the division. Le'Veon Bell, Ben Roethlisberger, I mean, really, uh, Antonio Brown. Offensively, they're just out and they always have a defense that comes out and uh, competes then in the AFC South I'm going to agree with you on the Tennessee Titans although you know I'm always curious what the Texans are going to do and then out of the West I'm going to agree with you again on the Raiders Derek Carr coming back from the injury uh, them just continuing to build on what they have uh, is, is it's, it's an exciting time yeah, they're to good be team. a Raiders fan. And then the two wild cards, I got to just say it. I mean, I'm going to go with the Bengals, and then I'm also going to go with the Broncos. Yeah, I mean, the AFC, I feel like, is a little more top-heavy. Yeah. Uh, obviously with the Patriots. And then, honestly, I think the Raiders are probably the next closest, the Raiders and the Steelers. And then after those three, I, I just don't see it from anybody. 
maybe the Broncos just because they have an elite defense. Yeah. But other than that, I just don't see anybody else making a real run at a Super Bowl out of out of the AFC. So, so it, it's hard to determine the the matchups and all of that. Let's just kind of cut to the chase. Which team is representing the AFC in the Super Bowl? It's this the year? Patriots. I mean, I, I can't make an argument for really anybody else. I mean, that offense is going to carry the load, which it's going to happen. But you have Bill Belichick, who's going defensively. He takes away what you want to do. Right. The best thing you do, he will take it away. It's right. whether or not you can make an adjustment to try to beat him otherwise. Yeah, this isn't very fun, uh, but I'm going to agree with you again. Uh, <laughs> the Patriots, I mean, until you dethrone them, they're going to continue to be everybody's pick. Uh, so for me, I'm going to jump straight into the NFC and the, and the East. Uh, you're going to vomit in your mouth, but I'm going to go with the Cowboys. I think they're going to continue to build on what they did last year. No matter what happens with uh, Ezekiel Elliott, whether it's six games or whether he gets to play every single game this season, uh, the Cowboys are just they're just going to continue to build, and I think that they're going to punch through and be able to do some stuff in the playoffs. And the NFC North, Packers, and the NFC South, man, it is not going to be the Falcons. I think that the Panthers are going to come back uh, after just a very disappointing season. Cam Newton uh, maybe has learned that he cannot just be uh, running to the end zone showboating all the time. Maybe he'll actually, I don't know, play quarterback. And then the NFC West, the Seahawks. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's not too much disagreement there. I do feel like the NFC is deeper. Like, you could make a case for probably three, four teams to really come out out of there. Where the AFC, it's like, it's the Patriots and it feels like it's everybody else. Yeah. So, NFC East, uh, I'm going to go with a homer pick. I don't care. I'm going to say the Eagles win the division. I think... Do you really? Yes, I really do. Because I think they can take advantage of... Of the suspension of Ezekiel Elliott, okay. whether it's the Giants, Eagles, or or Redskins, I think one of those three teams will take advantage. I think the Eagles have they have more trustworthy receivers now on the offensive side to help Carson Wentz. Okay. They brought in a, a goal line runner yeah. in LeGarrette Blunt. They still have the magical gnome, as I call him, and Darren Sproles. Right. Okay. <laughs> I think the defense will get better. The secondary is where it gets iffy for the Eagles. But I'm gonna still go with the Eagles. It I should don't be care. known. It should be known that he is wearing an Eagles shirt right now, so maybe he just physically can't do don't it. Don't judge me. Okay. NFC North. NFC North. I, I gotta go with the Packers. Uh, there's no the Bears and Lions. I feel like are a dumpster fire. Both teams. Yeah. Uh, the Vikings. They could take another. Their offense was just so bad last year. Now, do I think it's going to be a little better? Yes. Is it be- good enough to get past the Packers? No. Yeah. So I, I like the Packers in the north, the south. I still like the Falcons, even though they lost their offensive coordinator. Matt Ryan, I think, finally played at the level that everyone expects him to, yeah. and I think he takes that confidence into this year, and their offense is just going to be awesome. Freeman and Coleman in the backfield, you still have, and like I said, I think he's the best receiver in the NFL in Julio Jones. Yeah. Uh, I think the offense carries it, and you have a defensive-minded head coach. All right, he came from Seattle. Yep. So I, I still think it's the Falcons with the Panthers very close behind. Yep. Uh, NFC West, I th- you got to go with the Seahawks. I don't see it from anyone else. No. Uh, I think the Niners will be better. Rams are still a couple years away. 
Cardinals are just getting older. Yeah, they, I like they, I love Bruce Arians. Yeah, but I don't think I don't I agree with you. I don't think the Cardinals are able to do it. And then for my two uh, wild cards, I'm actually go with the Falcons and we go with the Buccaneers as well. Okay, so both teams out of the South. I I like the Panthers for sure. Um, I I don't think anybody comes out of the NFC East because they just beat each other up all year. It's it seems like they're always nine and seven. Yep. You might get a ten win team in there that wins the division, but they always beat each other up. So I do like the Panthers, and you know what? I have to agree with you. But I'll say another team out of the South. But I'll actually go with the Saints. Okay. I, I I'll go with the Panthers and the Saints. So. And then NFL or NFC representative. Ah oh, man, I feel like I could just draw a name out of a hat. But uh, I think Rodgers gets back there. I'll go with the Packers. Yeah, I, I think I would, I would be happy with Packers or Seahawks. I would be most happy with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I just he, man, he he's the, he's the best quarterback in the league in my opinion, just from a standpoint of his talent, physical tools. I think he he may not be on the level. Okay. So this uh, year, so let's, let me ask you this. Let me just ask you this. So this year, who would you rather have as a quarterback leading your team, Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers? Ooh. I mean, you just made a pretty bold statement, so I'm just curious if you're able to back it up. Hmm. It, it, just from a quarterback standpoint, I still think I would I would take Aaron Rodgers. Okay. It's not, it, It's like 1A, 1B. It, it, I mean, you're talking the difference is minuscule. It's just more personal preference at this point. So I'm taking. I'll take Rodgers. All right. Well, I won't. I won't jump into that argument right now. Let's just talk about Patriots, Packers, Super Bowl winner is Patriots. <laughs> as much as I just <laughs> argued for Rodgers, I think he Patriots still have the better, the more complete team. Yep, I agree with you, Patriots. I believe again will win the Super Bowl, and everybody will beg, beg, beg Tom Brady to retire. So this week we had a poll question trying to get some people to share with us who they believe the greatest offensive player in the NFL of all time is. And you and I kind of struggled on even just saying who is the greatest football player of all time because yeah, it's, it's just hard. hard to do that offense versus defense because it's just such a completely different game. Yes, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's really the only sport where players – don't play both sides of the ball. They don't play offense. They don't play defense. You know, hockey, you're right. you're playing both. You know, soccer, you're playing both right. to, to an extent. Basketball. Basketball, obviously. Baseball, even. You know right. what I mean? So it, it's hard to to judge that. So you you have to break it down. And if we're going to do this kind of type of question, you have to break it down. And who is the greatest offensive player? Who is the greatest defensive player? So yep. our question this week was? Who is the greatest offensive player? And my answer, or your answer? Let's go with you. All right. My answer is Tom Brady. And I hate it. I hate saying that. Uh, he is a Michigan grad. Uh, he is a member of the Patriots who I, I hated a lot more before I moved to Indianapolis. And now that I live here, I kind of have a little bit of a affection <laughs> towards them just because Colts fans hate, hate the Patriots so much. But when you look at Tom Brady... Uh, just from a standpoint of five-time Super Bowl winner, four-time Super Bowl MVP. He has the highest percentage of wins from any quarterback since 1970. 
He is the leading touchdown thrower four different times. Uh, he has never had a losing season. I mean, those are just some of the basic facts. I mean, you look at different things like uh, passing yards. You know, he is fourth all-time uh, pass completions. He's fourth all-time uh, pass touchdowns, fourth all-time. He's got time to continue to build on those. I know some people would necessarily would say, like, you know, hey, maybe he's not that. But I think when I look at greatest of all time, yes, regular season matters. Anybody can do something in the regular season. Right. It's when you get into the playoffs that matters. He is the leader of passing yards in the playoffs. He is the leader of completions, of touchdown passes in the playoffs. Um, he has the most wins of any other quarterback in the playoffs. You know what I mean? Like, just yeah. different things like that. Um, you know, Super Bowl, again, he's just a monster. I know he's lost, but, I mean, he's not like LeBron. Oh. oh, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> That's a different okay. different subject for a different time. Okay, who would you got? What do you got? I I like it's Jerry Rice. You know, it's Jerry Rice, and I know receivers they depend on quarterbacks. You yep. know, someone's got to throw them the ball. Yeah, but he still has to catch the ball. Okay, okay. Now, you know his his final year was in two thousand four. Okay. You know, he was a shell of himself. Right. You know, he spent, I think, three years with the Raiders. You right. know, then he got traded to the Seahawks in the middle of uh, 2004 season. So, even before that, let's just let's just talk about this. So, career touchdowns, he's the leader. It's 197. Second place is 130. So, it's not even close. Okay, like, so 60. All right. So, 60. it's a 60 touchdown difference right. between second place. You know, and then an era where passing is so prevalent now, right? It wasn't even close to what it was. was I'm sorry, it is a lot less back then right. than it is now. So Correct. for him to put that kind of gap, right, in the touchdown, it's just not touchdowns. It's career yardage too. Uh, let me got my numbers here. Uh, career yards. He's a leader at 22,895 yards. Okay. You want to know what second place is? I sure do. 14,934. We're talking 8,000 yards difference. Yeah. We're talking eight, almost, we'll talk seven and a half to eight seasons more. Right. Than the next guy. All right. Now, granted, he had great quarterbacks. He played with Joe Montana and he played with Steve Young. Right. Okay. I, I understand that. And that's kind of... I mean, that's kind of the difference, though, between Jerry Rice. I'm glad you kind of gave me that in. I mean, Tom Brady, who has he been surrounded with that would succeed anywhere other than New England? Randy Moss. I know he had Randy Moss, right? And and that year was a monster year. Uh, anybody that had either of those two fantasy football-wise uh, reaped tremendous benefits. Uh, but, I mean, like Danny Amendola. I mean, does he have great track record outside of New England? But he's only played for one other team. Okay. He played for, uh, I believe it was the Dolphins. Okay. No, sorry, Wes Welker came from the Dolphins. Okay. Amendola, I think, played maybe for the Chargers. He, yeah. Amendola, that's all he knows is Tom Brady. Right. Okay? Wes Welker came in. He still had a good good career with the Broncos after after he left New England. He was still Fair. a... He went, to, he went to Peyton Manning, but, I mean, we're not trying to... It's chicken and egg thing, you know. I mean, is a great receiver because he has a great quarterback, or is a quarterback because of his receivers? 
You know what I mean? I mean, these guys still have to catch the ball. And you got to think, Tom Brady doesn't throw the ball down the field right. nearly as much as some of these other guys. Now, he can. Right. I'm not saying he can't. But then again, I think stats now, now he's kind of evolved with the game too. Stats now are a little skewed because everybody's throwing for 4,000 plus yards. Yeah, I think, Everybody. Yeah, I, 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 think, I think when we're talking about this greatest of all time, and, and maybe this is where it is difficult to, to pick anybody outside of a quarterback. Because I think when you're wanting the greatest, you want also a leader. And I'm not trying to say that Jerry Rice is not a leader, but as a wide receiver, you are not you are not dictating the game, right? You are not dictating the locker room. You might be. I will disagree as far as dictating the game. Okay. Okay, because if you're a great receiver, you're garnering a lot of attention, and we've talked about this. Yep. Okay. If you're a great receiver, you're gonna you're demanding two guys. At least. Yep. Okay? Yep. You may have someone over the top, you got someone on you, then you got someone underneath. You may have three guys paying right, attention right, to you. Right. That leaves it open for everyone else. Now, I will grant grant you this locker room, yeah, it, it should be the quarterbacks, all right? right. He, he should lead. That doesn't mean no one else can't. And I think Jerry Rice has all had all the respect in the world from everybody in that locker room, offense and defense alike. He's got the Super Bowls. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. I mean, it's just... I, you, you, you know, I think the other issue is, what have you done for me lately? And, I mean, uh, I'd be curious how many of our listeners have watched a game with Jerry Rice um, versus, obviously, how many have watched a game with Tom Brady. I mean, the last true NFL game that we did watch was Tom Brady, was pulling off one of the greatest, you know, comebacks Super Bowl history, NFL history. I mean, how many people wrote off the Patriots, and yet here he comes in as the leader, just dictating, owning the game, getting his team where they need to be. So I understand that that maybe the passion that I have right now, which is interesting because I'm going to sell myself out when we do the NBA one, is uh, what yes. have we done for me lately. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, I get I get that there's a little bit of rub to that, but... I, I don't know. I don't know. I just think it's remarkable of how how much distance Jerry Rice has put himself between him and the next guy. Yeah. As far as statistically. Yeah. In an era where you weren't supposed to throw the ball that much. Now, uh, Bill Walsh was an innovator. Yes. Okay. West Coast offense. You know, he kind of he used the short pass as, as an extension of the run and stuff like that. But it's it, it's not. Someone's going to break Tom Brady's records because of how much people throw the ball now. And it's going to happen. And I think that, like, I mean, and that's kind of why I led off with the the original stats that I did. I mean, he's fourth in, 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 in some of these key places, but it's not just statistics that make somebody the greatest. I, I agree. It's the intangibles. It's the things that you can't put down on paper. It's who do you want leading your team that's a different question. That's a different question. Okay. Because there's great leaders that not necessarily can... I don't... Uh, what's the best way to say this? Let me ask you this. All right. I, I hear what you're saying, and uh, I totally agree with you. Okay. I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. So let, let me ask you a different question. Uh, who would you build your team around? Would you build your team around Jerry Rice, or would you build your team around Tom Brady? It's in their prime. In their prime. In their prime? I, 
you always go with the quarterback. Okay. You always have to go with the quarterback. I think it starts and ends there, but it doesn't mean I wouldn't build a team around Jerry Rice. Yeah. Because Jerry Rice, I, yeah, you got to have a quarterback to get him the ball. Right. But it feels like he's going to get open every time. Like right. he's like the Keyshawn Johnson, just get me the right, <laughs> right, me the, get ball. Me the ball, right. All right. So <laughs> he, I can say that about Tom Brady. But I still think offensively Jerry Rice is the greatest, and I, I can't believe we didn't mention any running backs. But in this, but yeah. I, I just well, running backs are so short lived now. Yeah, I mean you, I, I and not that we need to go down this road completely, but my top running back of all time is. See, it's hard. It's hard because I've only seen a limited amount play. Yeah, like. I watched Barry Sanders at the very end of his career. Never yeah, saw right. Jim Brown. Never you're saw right. Walter Payton. You're right. I got to go by highlights and what you're everybody right. else tells me. You're right. So if we want to put it in a box and say greatest running back that I've ever seen play, yeah, I would honestly maybe go LT with Damian Tomlinson. Uh-huh. The guy was a monster. Uh, he could score. He could get it done in a number of ways, catching it out of the backfield, running. He had an, one of the greatest – seasons as far as touchdown production mm-hmm. in NFL history as far as running backs go. So I mean I, I could probably I would probably say him. Yeah, I, I would say Jim Brown just because of what everybody has said, but from what I've seen, I would go Barry Sanders and wow, I mean yeah. he's quit. Yeah. I mean he just hung it up. I just I remember we're going, what? Huh? I just don't even yeah. understand what happened. Alright, so there's a lot to a lot to debate on greatest of all time offensive player. Hopefully, we'll get some communication from you guys on the Facebook page, on the Twitter page, of just who you think you agree, you disagree with Stu, you agree disagree with me. Who would you put in there as the greatest offensive player of all time? Uh, so our poll question for next week should obviously follow that up. Who is the greatest defensive player of all time in the NFL? I will sorry, I just thought of this okay. point on the Tom Brady thing. If if the offenses didn't evolve like they did, uh-huh, would Tom Brady still be that offensive juggernaut? That like early in his career, he was not great offensively. Yeah. He was as some people say, a game manager. Yeah. He won Super Bowls. Okay, I, I get that, but I guess if we're gonna say the the greatest statistically I, I, rounded player, I mean I can totally agree with you on Jerry Rice. No one, I, I no one's coming close. I don't want to box this in, into just stats, right? But that kind of leads the charge with this debate a little bit because you're not gonna pick someone that was like 25th, right? You know, yeah. It's just no, no. You, I mean, you're definitely bringing up a fair point, and I think that's where I just tip my hat to leadership. Fair. That's. I mean, I just. I, who do I want leading my team? And I hate saying it, but it's Tom Brady every time. I I I won't. I won't disagree. I'll just say I. Agree to disagree. Yeah, I feel like I need a shower after uh, professing so much love for Tom Brady. It's okay. It happens. I'm not a Colts fan, so it doesn't bother me. Yeah, it's just that Michigan thing. Well, (laughs) it's been a great, great time. Yeah, another good episode. Like it.
lots of good stuff. Uh, again, please get out there, support the Warriors and all that you uh, all that you can. Uh, middle school, high school, you know, we've got tons of youth leagues going still right now. Uh, soccer, there's youth league football, basketball is gearing back up. Yep. So get out there, guys. Support the Warriors uh, and all the up and comers. So also help us out too. If there's a score, if you if you go to a match and you know you have a result, post it on our Facebook page, tweet it to us, do whatever you can, help us. You know, get those scores out. You know, if if someone stood out during that game, tell us, help us with that as well and one more shameless plug again uh our danville basketball uh golf outing is september 16th is almost you know two just under two weeks away uh it's at presswick country club this year uh find a basketball player boys or girls one to uh get your information to that way we can get you signed up All right, guys, thank you again, and have a great week.